0: What is up, Venue Church? Hey listen, this is Nate Puccini all the way from Substance Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So excited to be speaking to you right now. Listen, I love your church, I love your pastor. Pastor Corey, is an amazing leader, an amazing pastor. I love your city, and I'm just so thankful for each and every one of you. As you listen today, I believe that God has something he wants to speak into your life. And, And this Sunday, we have a special opportunity to come together as a church family. You're going to be hearing from my pastor, Pastor Peter Haas. He's an amazing leader. He has just an inspiring word prepared for you. I believe it'll encourage you. I believe it'll build your faith. And I just want to invite you right now. Would you lean in? Would you listen and receive from this word? And I believe as you prepare your hearts, God's going to speak into your situation today. And I want to let you know, this can truly still be your best year. That may sound weird right now, but I believe that 2020 can still be an amazing year of impact, of growth, and your faith being built through Christ. And we're just, we're gonna do that together. So welcome into the Substance family as, as Venue Church and Substance Church comes together to receive this word today.
1: What is up church? Make some noise wherever you are at. You made it to church. And I'm Pastor Peter Haas, and of course, I just want to welcome all of the churches and campuses that are joining us today. Our downtown campus, we love you. We love all of you joining us digitally from all over the world. And of course, our uh, west side campus is going to be ramping up again, so spread the word and stay in the loop. We're going to be firing on all cylinders by this fall, and so don't stand on the sidelines, amen, okay? Just get involved. But uh, today, with all that said, I, I want to talk about this topic of worship. Worship. I want to approach the, the the topic of worship from an angle that most of you have probably never heard before. Um, I know uh, this might sound strange, but did you know that worship can not only scientifically increase your life expectancy—the more you worship, the longer you live—but but but worship can also increase your creativity, your problem-solving capabilities, as well as your compassion. And I know that might sound like a big claim, but by the end of today, you're gonna you're gonna hear some pretty fascinating research. There's a lot of scientific studies coming out that really show that worship does have an impact on our physical bodies in a way that is altogether unique. And, you know, part of the reason why I'm actually talking about this today is because, you know, uh, this has been a pretty big year for us, 2020, wouldn't you say? A couple things have happened in 2020. I don't need to recap it all, but I think there's been a lot of unique things that we're going to be talking about 2020 for years to come. And and I I think, you know, um, you know ever since we reopened physical church a while back, people have been telling telling me, you know, like after all that time of digital church, digital church was awesome, but you know, I forgot how powerful physical corporate worship really was and, 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 you know, and, and my, of course, my response is, is quite, I think a lot of us know why, you know, like you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? And all of a sudden, you know, you shut down corporate worship for half the year, and you're going to miss it. And, and a lot of, a lot of Christians are experiencing that. A lot of churches still haven't opened yet. And, and I, a lot of it, when it comes to worship, there's actually a lot more going on than people realize in this process of worship. For example, okay, Um, There's actually been a lot of research on how certain emotions can affect our physical body. So people that are are, are joy-filled, how does that affect their physical body? Anger, how does that affect your body? There's a lot of uh, psychology research on these types of things. How does joy affect breathing or pain or sleep? Uh, Specifically, okay, get this. People who live with higher levels of anger show dramatically shorter life expectancy and less creativity. And in an anger, there's actually a, a lot of studies now coming out on, on addiction to outrage. And uh, as a culture, there, there's, there's all these books being written on people who are addicted to outrage. And I think that's particularly important to talk about, especially in an election year, because there's a lot of people who are addicted to outrage. And it's not good for us, and because and, and, it shortens life expectancy, it shortens... Uh, uh, It it decreases creativity, but get this, okay, the exact opposite is true. Studies have been showing more and more that there is this emotion called awe awe and wonder, okay, That, that actually has the opposite effect on people. Like, for example, people who spend more than three days in nature have dramatically increased amount of awe. There's something about nature, something about mountains, something about the stars, something about the sky. It increases this emotion called awe. So, for example, researchers at the University of Berkeley did a study where they showed test subjects. Just get this, okay, so imagine being a guinea pig for this test, okay? They took these, these, these people that volunteered for this test and they showed them these gorgeous panoramic videos of mountains, of lakes, things, pictures that would cause people to say, wow, that is gorgeous. You know, like a desktop screensaver except a video of it. And that, that's what they were trying to produce, this feeling called awe. And, you know, they wanted people to say, wow, I can't believe that, that places like this actually exist on planet Earth. And then what they would do is after showing them this video, they would have these test subjects do all these mental tests, puzzles, and riddles. And, and some of these puzzles were not even solvable. Some of these riddles were just actually designed to frustrate, okay, and get this. Um, So they had had a group that was inspired with awe and wonder first and people that were not. Well, get this. The people who were inspired with awe scored significantly higher on all of these tests, okay? They found that these people were more creative. They were more divergent in their problem-solving and their thinking, and they had a significantly higher amount of mental endurance. In other words, they had a higher level of patience. They could focus on difficult things way longer without getting frustrated. Now, what was interesting is they, the researchers were kind of surprised by how dramatic the results were, and, and especially those who were angry versus those who were awe-inspired. The effects of the emotion awe were not limited to increased mental capacity Uh, they found that awe also tends to increase compassion in people, a willingness to serve other people, a willingness to stop and sacrifice for other people, that the more awe you had in your life, the more willing you were to help other people. And the craziest part was all of these results were limited to a single emotion called awe. That it wasn't enough just to be positive or even just to be joyful, that there was something about awe that was the key that unlocked all of these doors. For example, uh, get this, awe is the only emotion proven to decrease cytokines. And if you don't know what cytokines are, if you have like an autoimmune disease or a, or a problem with inflammation, cytokines are the reason for inflammation in our bodies. Okay, what was interesting is they found that the emotion of awe empirically decreased inflammation and it is the only emotion that has been clinically proven to do so thus far, okay? So think about that. Let me, just, let me just summarize this research, okay? And I know this is kind of a nerdy way to start a message, but just stick with me, okay? People who live with a regular sense of awe tend to be more creative, more compassionate, more healthy, and not surprisingly, they live longer, and get this, study after study shows This is kind of the interesting one, that Christians who physically attend church every week have higher amounts of awe, that they actually live, they have longest life expectancy of any demographic on planet Earth right now. And epidemiologists, people who study health and epidemics, have always been fascinated by what is it about church? People who go to a physical church not only once a week but twice a week have the longest life expectancy of any people on planet Earth. What is it? And of course, they're confounded. They can't understand what it exactly is. They have all these different theories. But I I remember after I read a lot of these studies, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was putting it all together for me. and in some ways, it's not, that, it's not that shocking, but I felt like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me after reading all this. Peter, you know what, I, I, I showed all this to you because you just impressed upon my heart. Peter, it's this, you were created to worship. When you see how big our God is and when you really live with that reality of awe, to live in awe of God, really that's what worship is. The emotion of awe is one of the key ingredients of what worship is biblically. And worship creates awe. When you live in awe of God, when you magnify God, which is what we're doing in worship, seeing him as bigger than our problems. It makes us more creative. It makes us more patience. Remember what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right? It increases mental faculties. Ultimately, it heals your body. It heals your body. Listen to this in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul is making the case that a lack of worship, a lack of awe, is how mankind has actually gotten so screwed up. We're just so obsessed with our issues, with our problems, and then we feed ourselves a steady diet of false outrage through the news and through social media. Actually, we're addicted to outrage. We somehow, we fuel ourselves with outrage. And actually, outrage does help certain things in terms of motivation, but the problem is is it's an inferior substitute for how God actually created you to live. And that's why, you know, I, I try to focus on things that reframe our perspective here at church. And the Apostle Paul, he was talking about, if you're wondering how mankind got so screwed up and started turning to all these different sins to fill the God-shaped hole, here's how we got here. And he talks about early humans in Romans 1.21. And he makes this fascinating statement about the fall of mankind, how we got so messed up. And he says in verse 21 of Romans one for although early humans they knew god they knew of god's existence they from just looking at the earth we knew what we knew god existed there's no way this whole universe spontaneously arrived out of nothing and boom here we are for although they knew god they neither glorified him as god nor gave thanks to him glorified him as god nor gave thanks to him and here was the result but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Thinking became futile. What does that mean? That means our thought processes are no longer effective. It means that we're no longer capable of solving problems anymore. We're no longer capable of being creative. We're no longer capable, really, of awe. I ultimately believe that it's, the, it's, it's really just Paul restating what those psychology studies found all along. It's that, that our, our, our mental capacity literally decreases. Our life expectancy decreases. Our ability to stay healed and whole, it decreases Paul makes the argument that worship and thanksgiving are the things that, that keep people thinking straight. And so guess what, okay? Uh, like one of my biggest concerns, I remember when, um, when governments were really trying to shut down everything for COVID, one of my biggest concerns is that, hey, people, people are gonna s- stop thinking straight. They're not gonna get as much awe in their lives. And as a result, you shut down corporate worship nat- nationally, it's gonna take a toll even just the the compound the spilling over effects if you even just take Christians alone who may only represent eight percent of the American population listen that eight percent it's the salt of the earth the preserving agent that keeps things from rotting Jesus said and if you just shut that down it's like a tiered water fountain it's going to have a cascading effect and and, and I, I and I know a lot of you are actually watching this digitally right now and a lot of you are are hardcores you're you know how to worship you know how to cultivate worship in your life but I've noticed over the years that when you lack physical church services, when you lack an opportunity for people to physically experience worship in a corporate worship uh, setting, there's just a lot of people that aren't mature enough to know how to cultivate worship unless it's a a, a kind of a prefab worship experience, okay? Uh, A lot of people need a physical experience to cultivate a spiritual reality. Does that make sense? Uh, Let me say that again. A lot of people need a physical experience to cultivate a spiritual reality. And over time, as we become mature, we become less dependent upon certain physical circumstances to cultivate that spiritual reality. But ultimately, the reason why Jesus had to come, think about it, Jesus had to come to earth to be our Savior, and what did he do? He had to become physical. Literally, God's Spirit became flesh To teach our flesh how to become spirit. Are you guys seeing how this works, okay? God became flesh. God's spirit became flesh to teach our flesh how to become spirit. It's this, It's this. God had to demonstrate it, get in our lives, physically show us how to do this so that we could understand this other component of spirituality. And so, you know, it ultimately kind of begs this question, well, how do we cultivate awe in our lives? How do we cultivate worship in our lives? How do we get better at Thanksgiving? Well, I mean, I think some of the obvious things are, well, let's cover Out the false outrage in our lives. Let's let's cut out some of those inputs that are only making us more angry. And for some of us, that might mean less news. For some of us, that might mean hey, you know, it's time to unfriend a few people on Facebook. It might mean hey, little, let's let's social distance. Some attitudes, so to speak, you know what I'm saying? Like a, we, should talk about so, <laughs> we should talk about social distancing attitudes a lot more. You know what I mean? That might mean, uh, you know, just swapping some friends because there's a lot of people that, that they're, they're, they're not good for us. And I think at some point, if we want to grow closer to God, it might mean uh, growing distant from certain inputs in our lives. And don't get me wrong, we can still love people who are cynical and angry, but I I think we need to just be paying attention to the state of our own soul because that's ultimately where the life flows. Amen? And so how do we cultivate that? Well, um, you know... uh, let me give you another way to do this, okay? Many of you might have noticed if you are coming to any of our substance facilities, uh, are, you know, in worship, it's a little more humid than it has been in, in times past. And a lot of that is just because it's summertime. But uh, in some ways, it's actually a good thing if you, if you look at it from a, a viral standpoint, from COVID standpoint. Did you guys know that humidity can actually decrease viral spread by upwards of 400% with certain viruses? Um, I, I just you, you start to realize how much humidity can actually affect viral spread i I, I was reading a, a manual even about foggers and hazers and you know like we we use some of that kind of stuff just to make our lights a little brighter here at our physical services uh, but some of the some of the Manuals talk about how it de- decreases certain viral spread. Well, part of that is because it just, it you know, humidity causes viruses to fall to the ground faster. And, and uh, of course, the flip side of humidity is that we all stink a little bit more, somebody. And so, you know, social distancing right now might be a little extra, you know, it, uh, there's more value to it. You need a little more deodorant, okay? And I'll, I'll never forget, speaking of deodorant, I'll never forget the first time that, uh, you know, I, I gave my son... Eden. His name is Eden, like the Garden of Eden. Well, he, when he turned about nine or ten years old, uh, he was starting to stink a little bit more, and there's obvious reasons for that. Here's actually a, a little picture of him. Of course, this is this is how old he was when I, I this story actually took place. He's, he's a full foot and a half taller today. Literally, he's been growing about six inches a year, it's crazy. In fact, we can actually share shoes now, which is weird. I, to be honest, I don't want to share his shoes, but I, I just, you know what I mean. Like a lot of young men who going through that big growth spurt, okay, he was starting to smell a little bit more than usual, and of course, he was young, he didn't know how this whole thing worked. And so, a few years back, I gave him his very first stick of deodorant. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I gave him his very first stick of deodorant, and and I remember, like, when I gave it to him, he literally was in awe of it. He looked at it, and he was like, this is so cool, Dad. You mean this is mine? (laughs) And and I was like, yes, my son, it is yours, your very own stick of deodorant. And, of course, then he, he was reading it. And he read a sticker that said, this deodorant creates freshness for 24 hours. And he was just like, Dad, can you believe that 24 hours? I mean, the marketing had him in complete awe. And why? Well, because kids aren't cynical yet. They're full of faith. Why would anybody lie? Why would anybody say something that isn't true, particularly a stick of deodorant, I mean, 24 hours, Dad. And then he, he said something that kind of caught me off guard, and he goes, "Dad, can we put it on together right now?" <laughs> and it kind of caught me off guard. I, I wasn't expecting any of this, and I'm like, uh, uh, like, you want to put deodorant on like together?" like, like really?" And I'm like, "Sure." Why not? Let's do it. And so I took out my stick of deodorant. He took out his stick of deodorant. Of course, what he didn't know is that I bought a two-pack for myself, and it came with a bonus third stick. You know what I'm saying? And so it's not like I was thoughtfully passing on a family heirloom. Here, my son, I bequeath this. I knight you. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, like, I wasn't, th- this wasn't, like, uh, to be honest, I was just doing this out of self-interest and I had an extra stick, right? And at the time, you know what I'm saying? I, I was just sick of smelling him. Okay, so, you know, I'm, now I'm sharing this. Some of you are like, why are you telling this story? It, well, I paid my son to tell this story, by the way. Uh, but I- I'm sharing this because, actually, I believe it is the perfect metaphor for why God gives us worship. Why he gives us worship. God does not give us the discipline of worship because he needs us to worship him. Like, oh, I'm so needy. I'm a needy God who needs worship. Uh, The Bible actually talks about God being self-sufficient. He doesn't need our worship. We need to worship him. That's really why he does it. He knows we need worship. We need it so that we won't stink like the world's. If we don 't worship, we start to stink and we start to do behaviors that are smelly and and do things that make no logical sense that aren 't even good for us. You see, God actually gave us the gift of worship to elevate our lives to elevate our creativity to heal our bodies to do you know what i 'm saying like I, I really believe that the gift of worship is not only emotional and spiritual but it is physiological. God gave us. The gift of worship to heal us ultimately. You know, the, the funniest part of the, that, that deodorant moment with my son uh, is the next day my son was already starting to smell again, like B.O., and so I'm like, bud, what? Like, come on, man, go wash and put on your new deodorant. And he goes, dad, no, I don't need to. And I'm like, did you just tell me no? Because it sounded like you just said, no, Dad, I don't need to. And he goes, but, Dad, listen, I put it on yesterday evening, and it's not 24 hours yet. It guarantees 24 hours of freshness, so I didn't have to. And I'm like, son, the only thing that's guaranteed is my discipline, if you keep arguing with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm like, I can discipline you for 24 hours too, okay? No, seriously, in that moment, I had to stop, and I'm like, okay, son, time out. Um, Eden, for some of us, we need to put on deodorant a little more frequently, okay? And let me just tell you right now, in your growth spurt, you're one of those people, okay? And, uh, and, and church, now the reason why I'm even saying that is because if, for some of you, if you are truly honest, as your pastor, I'm having the same conversation with you, okay? And I, I, you need more worship. Some of you, You need more worship. Once a week is not enough for you. You need more, and your family and your friends, they can smell it. They know you need more worship. You don't have that Holy Spirit scent on you. Did you know the Holy Spirit has a scent? Did you know? Come on. If you think this metaphor is getting out of control, I'd like to remind you that the Bible actually says that our worship has a smell to it. Before the Lord God. Think about that. Revelations chapter 8 actually refers to our worship and our prayers as rising up before God as incense. Okay? A a, a fragrance. Or, Or King David prayed, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice, which had a, a huge scent over the entire city. That's why it was significant, the eve, evening sacrifice, Psalm 141, 2 says. And, of course, you know, and, and let me just say this real quick. By, by the way, my son knew that I was going to share this story, and he wanted me to clarify that this story happened years ago, okay? So just so you know, um, and, and by the way, I, every time I share a story of my kids, I have to pay them for it. And he's like, hey, if i got to live in a glass house, I'm going to get paid to live in a glass house. Okay, so just I wanted just you guys to know I got permission. But as one last story, let me, let me just wrap it up with this. You know, when, when Substance started to do physical church services again, um, somebody came up to me after our first big church service, and, um, and, and they knew that we had all these different rules. We were cutting off capacity in our, in our, our church services, and we were doing things that would just kind of decrease uh, the risks for our congregation. And he came up to me and he said, you know, Digital Church was awesome, Pastor. I really enjoyed it, and I'm excited that you're um, doing some things to really upgrade that in the near future. But um, to be honest, uh, I don't think I ever worshipped the entire three months that we were all digital. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you didn't worship. And he goes, well, you know, I, I watched the worship videos, and, um, w- which were good. Um, but I, I think after like the first video or two, I, I don't know if I actually worshipped God to them. I just, and part of it, he goes, Pastor, I was just so distracted with my kids. It's like kids were kind of keeping me out of a meditation of worship. You know, good things can actually stop our worship as well. Did you know that? And my kids, it was just like they were constantly, you know, distracting me, jumping all over the place, and I I was getting distracted by my kids, and even when I would set up my kids, then I would get distracted by my phone and my texts, Uh, and and over time, I I just, whenever the worship would play, uh, I just started eating cereal (laughs) and just watching it, you know, like I didn't really worship, and um and then he goes, but, but the moment I got back into physical church, I, he goes, I, I started to realize just how much you and the staff do to eliminate distractions so that I can worship. I mean, you, and he goes, I started realizing why you do what you do. I mean, I come to church, and you get us away from our nagging kids, and our kids need that, too. You know, I realize my kids actually need to get away from me as much as I need to get away from them. There's something about, you know, the focus, right? You got us away from my kids. You, you got, you know, I, I'm not worshiping with windows, so I'm not staring at the birds outside in the yard. I'm, I'm just, you know, it, it, so you fade the lights so I can only focus on so many things. And then you mesmerize us with video walls, right, with big, giant words that I meditate on with a video wall, and then you crank these giant subwoofers that none of us could afford at home so we can feel the music, and then you have us change our posture every now and again. You have us stand, and you have us raise our hands, or you have us things like that that re-engages our minds. And he goes, you know, I started to see kind of the net result of, of this physicality that you guys bring to us each weekend. I could sense God way more. And, and he goes, not that not that I I have to have those things to to sense God. It just it just made it easier for me. And and then he said, your messages even. I almost was able to listen to your messages a, a lot more simply because my heart was ready, and it was something about just being in a room with a bunch of people and. And as he was talking, I just, I'm like, hey, thank you for admitting that. Because actually, that's exactly why we do what we do. In fact, there's a whole lot of things, there's, there's a much longer list than that guy mentioned that we actually do on a weekly basis in order to help you guys experience God. And, 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 and here's the truth. Yes, we all need to learn how to worship without these tools. These tools are not worship. They're just tools to help worship, okay? So you don't need a video wall. You don't need fog. You don't need lights. You don't need all these things in order to have uh, worship. I think we need to learn how to worship anywhere, anytime. But at the same time, I think that's also a skill that a lot of people need to cultivate. And and there's a lot of Christians that are new enough to God that, that they don't know how to cultivate that. They don't have the mental discipline. They don't understand the disciplines of meditation. And even as we talk about uh, you know, West Side, you know, we, we launched our West Side, we had to shut it down, our West Side campus, you know, the the reason why we're launching campuses all over the place is is not because we just want more work and we wanna, you know, have complex facility contracts. No, the reason why we do these types of things is because there are people in those regions who simply won't experience the presence of God unless we go there and give them a physical experience. Are you hearing me? It's the same thing in downtown. There's people that simply won't experience the presence of God until we go there and we physically meet their physical needs, giving them food with manna market or giving them just resources to help them live their lives. Really what we're doing is, is we're, we're living out the incarnation of Christ who, who, who loved us enough to not just give us a sign and say, hey, yep, I exist on clouds across the sky. Instead, he came and he showed us what love was. And he physically died for us to have that engagement with God because a lot of us, that's exactly what we needed in order to understand and comprehend what God really has planned for us. And so today, as we end with a moment of worship, here's what I want you to do, okay? I I want you to to take whatever burden you're carrying, and I I want you just to meditate on the bigness of God. This is what we're going to do. We're going to end our service just, just meditating on God's majesty. And so here's, and here's what's going to happen as you do that. As you just imagine God laying down your burdens, your anxieties, your, your need for physical healing, your financial problems. You lay it all down and you meditate on the bigness of God. All of a sudden, you're going to find your big problems are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And your anger is going to get smaller and smaller. Why? Because perfect love casts out Fear and it casts out anxiety, and it casts out anger, and it casts out all of these things that our culture lives with. And so to help with this, what we're gonna do is I wanna show you a short video that I I made this time last year that I think is gonna help you reframe many of your burdens, and so let's end with this. Check this out. You know, the world is filled with God's majesty, I mean, he created oceans, and he saw that it was good. I mean, he created beaches and meadows, and he saw that they were good. And and when you see how big the mountains are, how how big the world is, it it gives way to this delightful feeling of being so small. In other words, you and I are a part of something so much bigger than we even think, and yet Despite how small we are, God doesn't want us to feel insignificant. In fact, the exact opposite is true. He wants us to come bask in his presence. Rather, he he wants us to feel connected. He wants us to feel excited about everything that he's made. And deep down, I think we all know, this whole crazy earth didn't just spontaneously arrive out of nothing. And so, when we see this, or when we see this, he didn't merely want us thinking, oh, how cool, but instead he wants us to think, wow, I can actually know the person who made this. The God who created all this loves me and wants to have a relationship with me. That's what he wants us thinking. And when you let these thoughts permeate your soul, I'm telling you, it changes you. It enables you to experience a joy that other people just can't experience. It's... It's kind of like this. It's kind of like listening to your favorite song on your car stereo. I mean, that can be kind of a euphoric feeling and music has power, but imagine if you happened to know the famous singer that was singing that song. And imagine if that famous singer literally wanted to come to your house and play that song for you in your living room. You see, People who don't know Christ, their joy is limited to the song, but not the singer. They can enjoy the view, but they don't know the one who made it for them. And I believe that there's a higher level of joy that God has for us when we not only appreciate and experience awe, but we understand the one who creates it. Because when we see things that are this big, suddenly it it just brings some dimension to how big God is and how big his love is for us. And that he wants us to realize that if he's capable of making this, then surely he has the power to help us overcome our current little crisis. And so my prayer for you is this. As you journey through life, don't allow your current worries, your current fears to hijack the glory that is basking all around you. Indeed, God is calling you and he's drawing you. He's everywhere. But will you see him?